and what your best experience yeah. is. I haven't prepped for anything. I'm coming in dark. Blind, <laughs> I know I, you are. I, I find is the best. I'm just going to come in blind. And- All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live. I'm your host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. And uh, man, I've got something special today. Dave Goodall is as good of a man as he is all good at business. Look what I did there. See my dad jokes coming out already? I know Dave will make fun of me for that, but he'll also appreciate it. All right. Anyway, um, man, Dave's got this business called tapmental.io. I can't wait to talk about it. I'll do a, a formal introduction of who he is. But first, without further ado, uh, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Epiphany. Rick Meekins of Epiphany is one of my best friends. And you could consider him a competitor in business, so to speak, because he also helps businesses with growth. But when you live in a world of $8 billion, there's so many win-win-win opportunities. Like, why would you not seek them out? So Rick's strengths are his are in his proposals. If you have a business of, of 30 employees or more and you're looking for somebody to help you with like the, the system architect stuff and making sure that things all go well together, he's phenomenal at what he does. Definitely seek a... Uh, a proposal from him. AbleHealth.us as well. Dr. Seth Yates, who has a, uh, a clinic as a naturopath, as a doctor of chiropractic, um, who also specializes in oriental medicine uh, things, I will call them to be professional about it, um, like acupuncture. He's amazing. And what we're building over at AbleHealth.us, you should definitely check out. Even if, if you're a doctor, think about the opportunities to strategize with him. If you are a naturopath, think about the opportunities to utilize the supplements that he's scaling out um, that are natural, organic. Uh, he's It's just amazing what he's building over at ablehealth.us. You've got to check it out um, if you're into holistic medicine and health. So without further ado, um, actually, one other key point, the water project right there where my finger's pointing. The water project, if you have the capacity, the abundance to be able to give at least a dollar, please do so. Uh, the water project helps people in Africa who are in remote villages that don't have access to sanitary drinking water, get access to that water, learn how to how to maintain those systems, whether it's a borehole well or a sand dam. Uh, I don't think there's a more important message that I could be delivering to the world. So I'm taking the opportunity to enlighten your minds. If you've never heard of the water project, go check it out and go see what they show you about how they deliver their systems. And uh, let's make sure that um, more people have the opportunity to survive uh, given the access to clean drinking water. Finally, um, great project to support. So without further ado, um, I've got Dave Goodall coming onto the show. Um, Dave Goodall helps entrepreneur-minded leaders align their energy, skills, and business processes to realize their dreams. He grew up in his grandfather's countertop manufacturing plant, and he fell in love with the idea of business at a young age because of that. He's gifted with dyslexia, and I love that he puts it that way. He realized that he could see things that others struggled to see. And his electrical engineering and neurolinguistic programming education allows Dave to bring an analytical approach to solving problems. Now, he spent over 20 years developing tech teams and delivering product support and change management integration solutions in the IT industry. That went over my head. It may have gone over yours as well. 
But through that IT experience, the IT experience rather, Dave realized that there were two tracks of challenges in business. And I will tell you this, along the way, he also developed personality or he had that going into it, which is kind of rare for IT people. And uh, so he's great at, at these two tracks of challenges in business, the logistical and the human. With a, with a proven track record of delivering on strategy and knowing that everything starts with your team, not your systems. Dave sought to understand workflows, human elements better, synthesizing his understanding of NLP-based mental and emotional programming and human interaction into his well-established consulting practice has taken his business to the next level. And if you're an entrepreneur looking to take your business to the next level, then, then collaborating with minds like Dave's, like Rick's, like mine, can absolutely open new avenues for you to grow your business. So Dave, thank you so much for being here today, my friend. We appreciate having you on the show. Thanks for having me, man. This is, I'm excited to be here today. I just met you a few weeks ago and just the, the banters we've had over the last three or four weeks. I just, I'm so grateful to be a part of this new family. Dude, I love that. And brother from another mother. Um, exactly. <laughs> um, and I hope we talk more often than my blood brothers and I do. Uh, I know that we will. That's just, you know, that's something that's interesting to talk about, right? As entrepreneurs, let's go off script a little bit and talk somewhat about that. You've got, you got people in your life that are important to you and always will be. And you have yeah. missions to accomplish, especially as a provider of your family, right? You yeah. can't always make time for the things that you want um, and the people who even may have meant the most growing up. And that has a lot to do with prioritizing, again, that role of providing. Um, yeah. So you called family right away. I as well, I can easily reciprocate that because of what we've experienced and been through. Um, why is that and so important to do in business? And how do you balance that with actually having, you know, like your extended family that you want to see? What does that look like in your world, Dave? Yeah, it's 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 been interesting. I'm a child of the 70s. So I grew up latchkey kid key around my neck at the age of six, seven, eight years old, walking to, I remember walking to kindergarten by myself in bell bottoms, <laughs> probably <laughs> or short shorts. But you know, anyways, <laughs> like, like who would let their kid walk to, to kindergarten by themselves or with two other kids today? It's, it's just unheard of. So uh -huh. on my journey. So what I was trying to get there is, is we, I grew up in a, in a generation where it was highly competitive. You know, it's like, what's the other guy going? So there's this competition, competition, competition. And when I got out of college and started my career, it was highly competitive. But when you get to the entrepreneur world and, and you go through all the training and the evolution that I went through, it's, it's all about tribes. We are programmed as humans to be tribal, right? Yeah. And the one thing I learned is if your tribe is kicking the crap out of you and not pushing and encouraging to grow, you're in the wrong tribe. If the tribe is constantly celebrating and not pushing you out of your comfort zone, you're in the wrong tribe. The tribe that you join with, that when you fall down, they grab your hand, kick you in a butt and say, get your ass up and get up here with us. We got things to do. That's your tribe. <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> right. And, and so I think I kind of forget the question you asked, but as families, what I've learned in this entrepreneur journey is as I've had to find other members on the journey that are at or ahead of me. Because that inspires me. It's like, because I can get a hold of you. Hey, Jackson, what struggles have you had that you could teach me that I don't have to make them so I can almost meet you where you are and get forward? And I once I it. learned that in my consulting business, I took a different shift because I've recognized that a lot of the business owners, I might not be a $10 million business owner, 
but I've managed and navigated 10, 20, 30, $50 million contracts in the IT industry. And in when, when we're in our own crap, I don't know if we can cuss here, but if we're in our own crap, we can't see it. So having a third party that, that understands and can see that stress, that's a tribe member that can be like, hey, bro, here's your blind spot. Let me help you, right? And in the entrepreneurial world, we need that family. We need those people yeah. to inspire us to get out of our own dang way. We do. Um, I, we absolutely do. And I love that you use the word tribe. One of my favorite leadership books that I'm in the middle of right now, actually, is Tribal Leadership. Um, and that is a very thick well thought out, well researched book. Yeah. Um, if you, as an entrepreneur, if you have not read that yet, it's all about unlocking the languages necessary to help people transition from tribes like Dave talked about, where if you're stuck in a tribe or you're getting put down or things are negative, then it's important to learn the language, the thought patterns, the habits of shifting to a inclusive tribe that's looking to help build you up. And like Dave said, the keywords that I heard you say were we have things to do. We have things right. to get done. And, so, go ahead. and here's what happens. And that just popped in my head is I had a client and, and when I first got into this, it was more of self-justification. Am I smart enough or good enough? And if I can help people, then that validates me as a human being. And, and my first growth opportunity was about three years ago in, into my business. It was, it was an epiphany I had. I had a 29 year old kid, amazing kid. We took his Amazon store from about 2 million to about 5 million. And when we first started our, our journey together, he wanted to sell his business for a couple, for four or $5 million. And, and you know, beginning, I'm looking at this kid in his 20s and I'm like, you're going to sell your business for a couple million before the age of 30. I'm like, sure you are, right? It's just like that unrealistic unknowingness. Um, but what I did is I helped him develop his team and put his systems in place. And then after a year, he's like, hey, I'm going to go hire me an EBITDA coach. And I'm like, but we're doing, you know, it was like, I took that personally. Yeah. And I didn't realize I'm like, wow, he's outgrown my tribe. He needs to go right. find another tribe that can get his EBITDA and his evaluation. Six months after he left, he called me back and said, thank you. I just got a bid for $4.2 million before the age of 30. I'll be a multimillionaire. Uh, and, and it was right there. It was like, I got like personally hurt about, well, this is, this is our tribe, but he had to go right. to that next tribe to get to that next goal. And that was just a, an awakening for me to realize that, my clients might not be with me forever, but I will always want to know about their journey and their successes, but I'll take them as far as I can and take the training wheels off and go, go find your next tribe to get you to that next, next level. That's wisdom that most entrepreneurs overlook right there. That, and most people in life overlook that opportunity, spread your wings and fly and grow, but also the need to have multiple advisors um, in life and at different stages and different ways and different roles. Um, yeah. A lot of people pin that on their spouses, for instance, and the spouse is not the hero. Um, you know, they're, they're there to be there for different reasons. They're not your therapist. They're not yeah. your business partner in most cases. Um, and uh, the pressure that that creates in a relationship is unfair. But let's talk about this real quick. So, Dave, who should listen to you? Why should they listen to you? And what are they going to get out of today's show? Who should listen? Um, if I go back and look at a lot of my business owners, a lot of them are in some form of a construction. And when I say construction, there's a design element with an estimating and a build, some, some sort of a custom something. I work with sign, sign manufacturers, interior uh, framing, but I've worked with SaaS companies, um, e-commerce website development with automation, almost like SaaS type stuff. So anybody, any of an entrepreneur that's at that one to two million or more, They've got that team of three or more, and they're trying to get that 10, 20. 
Um, why should they listen to me? Because I've been in the trenches with these guys for the last five, six years, plus going back 22 years in the IT industry, working with the the Apple change management community. My my equipment was, was for all the Apple iPhones chip development was all stored on my equipment. So I had a small team that we were responsible for managing that infrastructure across the globe. So we have systems, teams development, how to develop the teams, find out what they're good at, what they're bad at. How do you allocate or reallocate job roles and responsibilities? Um, a lot of our business owners get in the trenches and they put it all on their shoulders. All the knowledge is in their head. Nothing's documented and delegated. So what are they going to, what are they going to get out of today's show? Learning that, Hey man, you're the owner of the business and yeah, it does feel a lot alone, but until mm -hmm. you build your tribe by getting your knowledge on paper, documented and delegated to the people that you trust, that's willing to go to that next level with you locking arms, you're going to struggle in your business and you might get to 5 million, but you might be divorced and your kids hate you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, you don't want to get there. Um, you know, if you can avoid that, fantastic. Um, now, um, I want to see if you know what your maximum threshold is, um, because you've you've talked about the the minimum threshold, not even the minimum per se. But if you're that one to two million mark, you're a great fit um, for me. Uh, for instance, I think that my maximum threshold from like, hey, I'm I'm out of my comfort zone to a point where I'm not sure I'm the right fit for the entity would be probably two thousand five hundred employees, maybe even at the one thousand five hundred employee level. Um, yeah. So in other words, I don't do campaigns for Nike um, and Vivint and, and Mo Forbes companies. Uh, I, if they asked me to do something off the cuff, we'd have to do some serious back and forth, you know, yeah. checking of like, does this make sense? Um, you know, before I would dive into anything like that. Um, do you have a maximum threshold as well? Yeah. I, let me see. I've got a company right now. We're about 25 employees. Um, I, I don't want to put a threshold, but I probably should sure. put that threshold around a hundred employees. Okay. Um, cause we really need to break down the departments. You know, I, I had a great coaching call on Friday and we were talking about hiring and building out a sales department. And, yeah. and a lot of my questioning to the owner was what problem are we solving? How much are we willing to spend on solving this problem? How much revenue is it going to create for our company? And how much time will you personally get back once these people are in production? So mm -hmm. that being said is probably the 100 employees. I don't know where the owner sits in that, but a lot of where I like to meet is the owner or the founder. But then again, I've worked with department heads too, understanding what their their targets are going to be for the year. So yeah. I, I don't want to put limits on myself because it you depends on what department, but I, you know, I'm loving the sweet spot of that 50 and under, but I would love that challenge of 100. But that would require us to, to break out into the different department heads, right? I'll put something out there too, to make that more fair. Um, if Mark Cuban were to come today and say, Jackson, um, I want you to help me run my conglomerate of companies and I'm going to pay you a million dollars per month um, in order to do that. We'll figure I it out. <laughs> I would immediately tell all my clients, as long as we were signed and good money's in the bank, right? This is like a legitimate thing. I would tell all of my clients, uh, I would send them a thank you. I would let you guys know that, uh, you know, we're going to invest in your brands from here. Um, and help you take off in new levels that when there's a will, there's a way there's an ability yeah. to make things happen. And while I know I'd be in new territory, like you would be in new territory and the same thing, if Mark did the same thing to you, um, he's coming to you because you have that adaptability, 
of being able right. to see things in a different light. And I love that you also talk about the gift of dyslexia as part of that process of, of yeah. being able to see things from a new angle. I'm going to shelve that for later because we might be able to bring it back up. But first, I want to start with Dave. What's your personal vision? My personal vision. Wow. Yeah. Actually, it goes back to the dyslexia. Growing up with dyslexia, I had this belief. It was undiagnosed till I was like a junior or senior in high school. I had this belief that I was stupid. And through my journey, I recognized I could see things that others couldn't. So we often don't know what we don't know. So I love to meet business owners where they are and help them identify what they don't know or the misconception or improper language they're speaking to themselves because we create what we speak. And if they have a negative self-talk and man, five, 10 years ago, mine was horrible. I wouldn't even talk to a friend the way I spoke to myself. Once you can alter that self-talk, doors open. So my vision is to meet business owners to truly allow them to see how amazing and great they are and the tools that they can develop and the, the adventures, the amount of money, the teams. I always talk to my business owners. It's like, hey, how many employees? No, I did have a client. He had 80 employees. I was like, wow. you feed 80 families every night because of the ideas in your head and the businesses you've built to employ these people. And when he saw that perspective, he's like, wow, there's... That's some cool stuff. So my vision it is. is to empower our leaders to understand the importance of where they are so that they can, can continue to grow and feed the families that are part of their business. I love it. We knocked both out. So your personal vision was to overcome that obstacle and continue to live with that positivity um, yeah. and mindset of the value that you are to the world and your vision for those you serve is to bring that to others and help them also see the value that they're they're putting out there anything you would add yeah i mean for me it was an epiphany and a, and a growth opportunity too because i was able to help this one owner that had approximately 80 direct reports in in his organizations and um did i lose you no you're good oh. i just didn't we, we were a little bit late we're gonna mix it up so oh, no all worries, the adhd no people like myself continue to watch and well it's and this is a little selfish perspective for me is is the sense that wow i helped one person who helped 80 people in his company so me helping one person grow through their negative self-talk probably will have an impact of over 250 250 people or more just through that conversation that work we did together which to me it's just like wow i'm i'm in purpose i'm aligned i need to continue with more of this because one person i can affect 20 to 100 mm. Exactly. Uh, Johnny Appleseed style too. Uh, <laughs> work is, is going beyond um, right. contributions. Um, and that is a, a wonderful feeling. Now let's, let's dive deep and dark for a minute. Um, okay. What is your worst business experience ever? So part of what we do is I do this uh, energy leadership index assessment. And in the beginning, I thought it was kind of woohoo-y, but but what I've learned being electrical engineers, everything is electricity. We're vibrating molecules. Our molecules and atoms vibrate based on our energetic presence, right? Uh, what I learned through me taking the assessment seven, eight years ago is I've got a lot of level six energy, which is very creative. Roll up our sleeves. Let's develop solutions for the world, right? Um, so a high level of optimism. I'm very trusting. I've probably trusted two to three marketing agencies that have taken probably $25,000, $40,000 of my good earned money with promises that sounded great um, that have turned into nothing. So sometimes I can be over-trusting <laughs> yeah. with, with the pitch. So my worst experience is, is not truly aligning and listening to my gut or doing my, 
I do diligence to uh, to follow up on their validation. Oh, nice. right? So you tied that you tied that to the the blessing of the lesson learned too. I appreciate that. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, I think most entrepreneurs, um, I shouldn't say most, I don't know most entrepreneurs, but a lot of entrepreneurs out there go through that experience of unpaid invoices, um, yeah. you know, partnership agreements that fell through, uh, chargebacks that, that occurred that weren't fair. There's, there's a lot of, of realities that can exist there, um, and being undercut. Um, so thank you for, for being willing to share that. Yeah. Let's talk about the best experience in business. What has oh, wow. that been? Well, for me, I was it was laid off about six years ago from the tech industry, and um, and I was on this journey um, of personal self development. You know, getting my NLP certification, getting my coaching certifications. I wanted to be a better leader in my in my industry, and um, one of the pushes was me being dyslexic, and my my daughter's dyslexic and dysgraphic, and my oldest daughter's autistic. So I got obsessed with the neuroscience perspective of it. Right. And um, so a lot of the and having hypnosis and all that, I've been really able to help evolve my my oldest daughter with autism, with her mindset, internal self-talk, using hypnosis and different strategies that I've learned. Um, so my best experiences is five years ago is my wife saying, you're not going to go back and get a job. You're going to do what you've been doing, but you're going to work with these small business owners like your grandfather's because you got the school, the, the skills and the tools to help your daughter. We got to help business owners. And through that twofold, my youngest daughter plays fast pitch softball at a high, high competitive level. And we're doing pre-college travel because I own my business and I'm able to help these businesses. I've got the flexibility and the freedom to be on the road with one, my oldest daughter, who used to race mountain biking. And now my youngest daughter, we spend 28 months in July in hotel rooms for, for her softball. But I'm able to run my business on the road and be a father that I never had. Wow, man. That's, that's super powerful. Um, and that I love that your best experience, um, ties right into family and, and, uh, I want to honor your wife, um, yeah. because as an entrepreneur, um, it's so hard, um, on the family. There's, there's pros and cons people don't understand from the outside. Oh, um, yeah. of, of being <laughs> yeah. involved in that. And so the fact that, uh, the woman by your side, uh, you know, probably ignored some of the safety and security that can come from going to the corporate lifestyle um, stood by your side and, and helped you understand the value of keeping your business moving forward is, is just awesome. Um, so uh, that's, that's amazing, man. Thank you for sharing that. And, and next thing, what, what powerful lesson can other visionaries learn from your experience? Uh, do it. <laughs> I mean, if you have any inkling to do it, do it. Um, but we'll go back to the very beginning. It's make sure you have a tribe. Um, you know, I've got several men in business uh, that are similar area of I am in their own personal business. But we do we do man night one once or twice a week. I've got a big screen. I got a big front porch uh, with couches and it's beautiful. We got the swing and I've got a humidor with cigars I've got a fridge in the garage with beers and, and bourbon in, in the, at the wine sink. Right. So um, for me, it's really sitting down with that group of three, four or five men and just getting vulnerable. Like I'm scared shitless today. <laughs> Here's why. And having other men kind of that have gone through it or other business partners and understanding and being able to share, like, you're scared of that. I was scared of this. And you come to find out that your fears are legit. 
right? Um, but really having that tribe in your corner is going to help you navigate because if they can do it, I can do it mentality, right? You know, it's kind of weird when we're around our tribe, you're like, Oh, Bob did that. Bob's kind of an idiot. If he can do it, I can do it. You know, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, we're funny, but it's, but that's how we work as humans, right? We, we're always comparing ourselves to what is possible. And um, so what I've learned on my experience is really just get around other people that are doing it and like, and ask, how'd you do it? People love to talk about their business and talk about themselves. So if you ask those questions, they're going to tell you, and if not, they're the wrong person, go find another one. Right, right. I laugh because I know a few Bobs in my life. <laughs> right. And I've been known as the Bob a number of times too. So yeah, uh, I can I can relate on both angles of Bob's the idiot. Right, um, right. That's yeah. funny. And, and I've you get inspired Bob. by me, but your podcast, you podcasters that are listening, you're like, if you can do a podcast, I can do a podcast. <laughs> Power to you. I love you and I appreciate you. Right. Um, so. <laughs> All right, man. So um, that, that powerful lesson, you said, do it. You, you even made that more efficient than Nike. Impressive. Um, yeah. So do it. Now, <laughs> I want to go back to your perspective. I was a 21-year-old kid who decided to do it, to go right in for entrepreneurship. Right. And uh, that's a very different perspective, though, that most people that I know that are older than me can't relate to um, because you know I did it from the get-go. The reality is you had a successful career. Um, of was it 20 years uh, in yeah, like as, 20, as 20, an employee or as a contractor? Years. Walk us through what that was like, because here's, here's what I'm getting at. Those of you who are younger um, and maybe you're diving right in, um, maybe aren't going to understand the angle that Dave's going to talk about from, from what he did in corporate. Those of you who are corporate are likely thinking like, oh, well, he didn't really just mean go do it now. Um, you know, I, but let's, let's let Dave tell that story with more depth because I see far too many entrepreneurial spirits waiting and waiting and waiting. Dave, let's, let's get them out of that wait zone. Yeah. Tell us about your background and how you got to this point Perfect. of deciding to do it. Perfect. Well, I, well I, I can go back to when I was like six, seven, eight years old and my grandfather had a countertop manufacturing plant in Columbus, Ohio, and he provided probably 80% of the countertops for Ryan Holmes back in the 70s, early 80s. So um, I was kind of attached to his hip. Uh, unfortunately, we lost him when I was about 10 years old. So great thing was he planted the seed. Bad thing was, is I missed all of that knowledge. He was a loved yeah. man, standing room only at his funeral. I, you know, I was so young. I don't even remember what was going on at that time. So I think that's was the seed. Right. And, yeah. um, and so when I was coming out of high school, I was not a good student. I was a DF student. I hated being in school. Come to find out I had a reading level of like a second grader, third grader, my, my junior year, senior year in high school. Luckily, my science teacher happened to be my swim team coach because I was always that tree climber, active kid, full of ADHD, whatever. I was involved in BMX, swim team, soccer, all of the above. They got me uh, elevated in a reading program, and, and I was in architecture class, and I kept talking to my architecture teacher. I was like, I think I want to go be an architect. And he's like, yeah, your art kind of sucks. <laughs> you're, you're drawing. <laughs> CAD maybe, but CAD wasn't really available yet, right? But I, I loved the math, and he walked me into the electrical or what was it? Yeah, electronics classroom. Next thing I know, I'm ace in that, ace in that, and then I get thrown into an engineering program. So four years, I did pretty good. I did like a three, four GPA getting out of out of college with electrical engineering degree and 
worked with IBM for a little bit as a field tech and I was running around all the banks and stuff and replacing, you know, so mm. I got that field managing a van, managing parts, doing all the ordering. So it's like that it's a great company. Yeah. It was that responsibility stuff. And then a lot of my college buddies took a job with Cisco systems and they went out to California and they were moving here to Raleigh, North Carolina and starting up that program. So two of my college buddies I graduated with hired me to come down to Raleigh and start up this on-site services organization. We were installing, <laughs> this is, I go back. So Bank of America was our client at the time. And I forget uh, which is, yeah, I forget what it was at the time, but it was Bank of America. They had ATM machines all over the Southeast and we had ISDN modems. I'm dating myself now. We would dispatch field techs and I would dial in through a modem at my desktop in my office in RTP. And a lot of it was Bank of America held contracts with us to make sure a truck didn't back up and rip the ATM out of the ground. But we would do all the remote configuration, making sure the ATM machines were up and all that other stuff. So I got into a lot of the communication world and I spent 11 years at Cisco Systems. Um, I was part of the integration when Cisco bought a company called Stratacom. They had the first analog to digital voice over IP integration. I was one of the first people testing tip and ring and voice calls from Goldman Sachs, London to Goldman Sachs, New York. So we were running the tech team supporting the integration of voice over IP back in the mid 90s. Um, so I spent, I can't remember Real how long. Interface. How patient or awful were they with that process? I'm just curious. Oh my God. It was, it was, well, it was new technology, but, and everybody wanted it because everyone was tired of paying, you know, what would, um, long distance calling, right? Like yeah. I couldn't even think of the word because we haven't talked about long distance <laughs> calling and how long, right? Again, dating myself. Um, so long distance calling, everyone wanted to get rid of it. And, you know, you could just tap over the existing line. So, I mean, it took five years to kind of get it dialed in. Now, I mean, yeah. we're, you're sitting in San Antonio. Or were they patient or angry and mean about the process? Oh, they're patient. I mean, they were just trying to get things running. But, you know, again, there's always that learning people's mindset, frustrations, all that stuff. Sure. Right. Great clients so, usually are on your yeah. team and supportive. So that's cool. Well, it, here's what's cool is, is like a Goldman Sachs, right? They would go to their tech teams like, we're tired of long distance. We need to get rid of this $1.5 million bill. Go figure it out. And then they come to our tech team. And then I would do all the services and support structure. And we would, one, install it. And then my team would be responsible for maintaining it, upgrading it, you know, and evolving the, the configurations and all that other stuff. So we had to wow. put team always. So it's like, Goldman Sachs didn't give a crap. They just wanted to make sure that their their bill was cheaper, right? And yeah. how we did it, they didn't care. Just I, th th that's how it was. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I spent eleven years there, and uh, then I went across the street to a company called NetApp, which was a data storage company. And when I was at Cisco, we were doing the like the data consulting. Like I was attached to Goldman Sachs or Federal Reserve Bank. I was kind of like the the service contract negotiation. I was the one that was responsible for the service contracts, right? And then we'd okay. build teams around them to support the services and all that stuff. So when I interviewed at NetApp, they hadn't quite developed that out yet. They had like a team of three or four. I had had five or six years experience in that area at Cisco, like, hey, come on board. And I helped them build that out. So then I spent another 10 years at NetApp. And this is my other gift and fault. I'm very dedicated. <laughs> so the longevity of, of those attachments, I probably should have left sooner, but I'm like committed to a fault at times. Um, but I did the same thing over at NetApp. We, we built out all the tech teams and, you know, again, you're ordering parts, you're dispatching engineers, you, you're, you're a global presence. I had to do, I learned all about the oil and gas industry. Walmart was a client. Apple was a client. You know, I've been to London with Chevron and BP. So 
So you're right. As an entrepreneur, I spent 22 years in the trenches with those Fortune 100s and the Fortune 500s and the politics and and all that kind of crap. So it was a, a master's or a PhD, you know. PhD. Um, I'll back up at Cisco. I did get my CCIE, which is a Cisco certified internet working engineer. And at the time, there was only about 150 of those engineers with that WAN technology, wide area networks, fiber optic. I was a specialist, you know, also navigating these contracts. And that was a challenge. That took a year of my life. It's almost like passing the bar. You know, you have to do a, a lab practical mm -hmm. in a lab lockdown. I mean, it's it's a big deal. Um, so I was blessed to have certain successes of, you know, engineering certifications and team development and certain contracts and client right. engagement. Um, I didn't know how important it was until like six years ago when I looked at my journey and what had I accomplished. To me, that was normal. And I never again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. I didn't see myself as smart because of my high school stories up through. And in the engineering world, I had to, you know, escalate to the, the specialist engineers. Those guys were smart, right? These yeah. escalation engineers. So when people are like, are you smart? I'm like, no, I just bought Rob in. Rob can go down to the code level and he can write a patch, right? Like I, that's not me. <laughs> so when people ask, are you smart? I'm like, no, I'm an idiot. But I didn't realize that I was doing the team development. I was doing, you know, the consulting work. I was getting the end customers to trust our solutions and to take our advice when, hey, guys, I'm sorry, you need to come in at three o'clock in the morning. We have to do an upgrade. We have to get this patch. Well, I don't want to do that. I'm like, because I don't want to sit on a call next Saturday at three o'clock in the morning when shit's on fire. And your boss is like, why am I losing money right now? So that was a lot of the conversations I had to have with those change management teams, which I'd rather do the front end than the back end because I hate sitting on those four day conference calls where it's like, are, are we done? Are we done hemorrhaging? Uh -huh. <laughs> so long story wow. to your question, but that was kind of a quick wrap up of 20 years of being in the trenches and getting my kind of piece. So how in the world do you go from that where, OK, I get it like you, you I understand when we have the curse of knowledge where we don't think that anything we've learned is important. Um, right. like everybody knows what we know. You're this super genius IT guy. Uh, I'm going to hit that as many times as I can. Every time we talk um, is the, the brilliance of all that you just explained and your capabilities, because we should, as champions, we got to rise up to the reality or we right. realize our value to the world. That's how you compete at a championship level. But how in the world did you go from that to, yeah, I should start a company, um, you know? Well, what I really realized was I... I was working for the man and, and basically, and not to be disrespectful, but they were pimping me out. Hmm. Realistically, they were billing me out at three times of what they were paying me. And with my knowledge and skills and background, I'm like, why am I sacrificing my family life, my engagement with my children? I actually was sitting in a, in a conference room with my team one night and they were asking for after hours engagement. And I was like, look, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be available that night. I run my daughter's soccer team and I'll be, I'll be working with my daughter that evening. And I had one of my female team members say, don't you have a wife for that? That right then was one of the like nails going, I got to get out of this crap. You know, it's like I sacrifice my weekends. You're not taking my one night with my daughter. Like, um, so that was kind of like when I finally got let go and they gave me a severance and they, I had a year's opportunity to kind of figure it out. You know, my passion is around, you know, again, getting all the skill set to help my daughter also helped me get out of my crap. 
our words create our world. I don't know how many times I can say that on the podcast today. What we speak externally or internally is the energetic residence that creates the matrix or the vision in front of us. And we could debate that all day long, but if you sit around going, I suck, I suck, I suck, you're going to find 10 pieces of evidence to mm. prove that you are. It's like, if I'm a rock star, I'm a rock star, I'm a rock star. And I love what you just said, how you were saying that. Yeah, I was a super IT guy. I didn't believe it until I started really reflecting on my story. And um, yeah, now I kind of forget the question you asked. So I'm sorry. No, it's, no it's <laughs> perfect. Um, more so just exploring this reality. Now, um, strange question. The lady who asked you that question, are you grateful for her, mad at, or mad at her? Are you grateful oh. for the question or upset about the question still to this day? Curious. No, it's funny. I laugh. I was upset about the time. And actually, I'll, I'll do a twofold to answer your question. I was she such said, a mess. Up. Don't you have a wife to handle that for you, to do that for you? Like, yeah. Well, I, what I should, what I would say today, knowing what I know so now, I'm like, I would have said, I'm sorry that your daddy didn't love you the way he wanted you to. Um, you know, that's how I respond today. <laughs> but my daughter's going to have a daddy that loves her and is going to be there to support her, you know? But again, hurt people, hurt people. That's all that was going on there, right? Hurt people do hurt people. I appreciate right. you saying that, recognizing that. And yeah, no no need to contribute back to it. But um, those are the manipulations that exist in toxic yeah. environments. You know, and it, it, it's you, corporate, you know, like there's all sorts of stuff that goes on, um, you know, to, to keep people in their box. Um, and, and there's, you know, when you have the majority flowing along with it, then you look like the prick when you're the one who does the right thing yeah. and says, I have a family and I'm not only proud about the pictures I have with them, I'm in their life too. Right. Good for you, man, yeah. for, for real for allowing that to catapult you. It, um, and I'll, I'll add to that. It's, it's one of those, there's these epiphany things that are said to us at the time pissed us off, but when you reflect on it, it was God's way of moving you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, when I was sitting down at the table and I was signing up for an engineering program and the college recruiter was in my kitchen and they needed a $250 application fee, my dad kind of turned around to my mom, kind of half ignoring me going, what the F are we going to do with him when he plunks out of college? Mm. And right then I was like, oh, hell no, brother. Watch this. Are <laughs> <laughs> you a Vietnam vet? You didn't go to college. You flunked out of college. You're an amazing man. And, you know, we have a great relationship today. He doesn't even remember saying it. I think he was just in that moment of his life. Just in a bad moment. Yeah. He just didn't want me to experience the shit that he did. Like he left right. and went right to Vietnam. He was an onboard electrician on the C-130s. He was dropping ammunition off, you know, running for Air America. I'm glad like, you catch that. We, we live in a society that, that, you know, when that not only says negative things about their parents and the problems that parents had, but ultimately defines parents by their worst moments. Right. Um, whereas, you know, yeah, I could say a lot of negative things about my dad, um, you know, and at the same time, like now that I've been through what I've been through in life, I've realized like, wow, like, yeah. I, I, I get it. You know, he's you know, he wasn't there, but the the difficulty, the darkness of, of trying to be there when everybody's against you um, and everybody wants to talk bad about you, it makes you want to disappear. So uh, thank you again for, for, yeah, and I'll add to that, you know, and again, you know, there's a moment in your life in your mid twenties, you need to own your own crap. Like you can only blame your parents for so long and recognizing, you know, I've got teenage daughters. There's no playbook. 
I did the best I could with the tools I had, right? I, and, and did I mess up? Oh, a lot. Are there a lot of things to be grateful for the successes of my children? Yeah, but now I'm kind of slowly handing these successes over to them. They're not because of me. I just created an environment for that, right? right. But the one thing when I reflect on my dad, my dad's father, my grandfather, was shot down in Korea. And my dad, from the age of eight, didn't have a father. So how, what was his role model? He was passed around to grandparent to grandparent or this. Or, mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't know, right? And actually, it was just this year, three months ago, some, uh, a church community flew him back to South Korea. And there's a big monument where his grandfather was shot down. So he got to say goodbye to his dad at the age of 75. Uh, Imagine that crap he's been carrying. You know, you know what I mean? So it's like that one moment of time, like, can I really carry that today and be angry? But what I learned as business owners, there's certain things that we are not delegating because of something that was said to us by mom, dad, a brother or sister or some bull, a teacher, a coach. And we're this, right? And and we're yeah. just stuck in that yeah, crap. Mm. Okay. So let's talk about, again, this transition. So it's fascinating me. Uh, you had the severance. You mentioned you had a year. If you could go back. Um, and not, this is not a question of regret, those who are listening. This is just a question of looking at optimization of timeline. Um, would you have dove in differently to entrepreneurship? Um, you know, would you have dove in with more force or would you have taken more time? What, what would that have looked like? I, to be honest, for me, because of the let go and have it, it was almost like a 22-year relationship. Mm. I was hurt. Right. So like it was almost like coming out of a my girlfriend broke up with me after 22 years. Who the hell am I? I'm defined by, you know, we're, we're defined by our careers often. That's what we we believe yep. it is. So I think to answer your question, I had a toe in the water. You know, I was. So here's a new question. I'm going to shift my question with that background. My question sure. is this. What have you learned since then that could have sped you up on your journey? to be honest, <laughs> I'm going to plug my company, mental, yes, emotional release, please mental, oh, emotional release. I studied under Dr. Matt James, who got his PhD in, in university of Indiana. Dr. Matt James is the NLP expert. Uh, it's the son of Tad James. Tad James was the right hand man to Tony Robbins. So Dr. Matt learned how we store all of our anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt on a timeline. And we keep it with us aches and pains in the body. I mean, you can call it woohooey, but you do trigger release, you do mental, emotional release, the body releases. Uh, I was hanging on to a bunch of crap, my crap, my old stories. Um, actually, I came up with this analogy. Have you ever seen a dung beetle? Uh, no, teach me. I need it. So a dung beetle is an African beetle. Okay. And they've got a ball King? of... Do what? Is it the one in Lion King? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. But anyways, All basically, right. they, they, find, they find a big ball of elephant dung poop. Ah. And that's their food. And the, the dung beetle with the biggest ball of poop is the, the, the best beetle in the tribe, right? And basically, they roll this ball of poop around Africa for their family to eat and survive off of. But what I've recognized is we humans are no different. Tell me about the last hangout with the boys or friends. They're walking in the door with their big ball of S-H-I-T. And we're going to sit down at the table and talk about whose shit is bigger. <laughs> It's just the battle of whose life sucks the worst, right? Nine times out of a 10, that's the conversation that lead to. So what I learned is my biggest growth was had I had access to MER, 
earlier on, I wouldn't have been able to bring my ball of crap, those stupid stories, those, you know, non-true beliefs that I had. I, it took a year for me to grow through a lot of that and to go through other coaching and, and other, like to get my own help to get out of my own crap. So mm -hmm. I spent my first year and a half with a toe in the water and a toe in the water is not telling God universe. I'm all in. I was half in. So it took me longer. It wasn't until that year two, two and a half when I really understand who my client was, what I'm doing, the solution I'm providing. Once I knew that, oh man, game changer, game changer. <laughs> you just, you just blew my mind and you just expanded my bridge of, of communication and ability to influence and help others with this, not only with the analogy, but with the reality that, that you taught me. And I thank you for that. Um, yeah, you're welcome. I, I, I will tell you the, the shift here of why this is, is helpful. Um, I grew up with my mom and five older sisters. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the way that women think in general is different than the it's way emotional. that women think. Yeah. Um, and it can be emotional. Uh, I would, I would actually say that they are far more logical um, as well than, than our, my male counterparts. Um, and, but the, the reality of the difference is the way you just described that environment is one that I have never understood. And I think it's because of having grown up with women that were also um, quite wholesome in nature. They had their problems, certainly. Yeah. Um, they had their difficulties, and they probably have their their own way of they have their own way of self deprecating um, as well, and and uh, talking about the negative. But uh, the idea of comparing who's is worst and all that didn't quite exist growing up. So I've never ever understood those man cave moments yes i've never understood it and i never wanted to be a part of it and i never could hang in those moments because i did not understand what you just opened my eyes to um i never felt the need to right. try to make my, my my life was i always found the positive and the great it wasn't until years later i realized my normal was um you know, it was not normal for everybody. And the amount of stuff that I went through was extremely difficult and challenging. But again, you've unlocked my ability to now connect with an incredibly different audience that before I couldn't relate to. Yeah. Thank you. And for it's that. weird. And this, this might poke a lot of societal today, but it there's the, the masculine and feminine, you know, yeah. and, and, and you are probably hearing what you just said. You have a lot of more in tuneness with the feminine just because of the household you grew in doesn't even mean you don't have masculine in you. You know, when I go back to Dr. Oh, Matt no. James and he was like, he embodies a lot of the feminine. So when it came to the, he shared the stories of this with his children and his ex-wife, he had a lot more of the mothering roles just because of that's his, you know, his programming, right? He yeah. understands more of that emotional with the language and all that other stuff. So I can't wait to get the panels running for this because uh, I used to talk about masculine and feminine energy a lot. Um, yeah. you know, because it relates to, like, I, I get it and I, I know what it's like to, for me, um, that's just how I would define it to me. It's all semantics game, but, um, Justin Nope is also a client of ours that specializes in, in neuroscience and I think linguistic program, all that stuff's a little bit far hard for me to understand, but I appreciate it. Right. And I appreciate the yeah. practices that come along with it a lot. Um, and so, um, he was like, Jackson, you know, I don't like the whole fat masculine feminine thing. And so I've kind of silenced a little bit since then as I, and it's not because he controls it. I just like, oh, there's more I need to learn about yeah. the reality of, of how so, these energies work and how we, we talk about yeah. it. You and so, him, 
I need to get you guys in the same room. Awesome. So yeah. So what I didn't understand is I heard about NLP and I know hypnosis and it sounds all woohoo-y, but basically all NLP is is a neuro brain, linguistics, language, programming. Yeah. The words brain. we speak oh, sure. is a linguistic, has an emotional response and triggers a thought in our brain. So programming, or in other words, teaching ourselves how to use language in a healthy fashion. In a health, exactly. So my wife grew up in a household, very toxic, alcoholic mother, et cetera, et cetera. Um, she had opportunities for a lot of things, but when my wife would complain, she would be like, shut up, just be grateful for what you got. So this is that. So her programming of grateful is not good. Yes. Grateful to her that you and I would think gratitude. I'm like, gratitude, man, things are good. She's like, oh, shut up and know your spot. That's, that's her programming. And we're all individually programmed. Right, we are. And, and a lot of it's locked in by the age of seven. And then we carry that programming until we recognize, oh, that's not normal to societal standards. And like, mm -hmm. what, what is, right? So right. when I would, my it wife and I- would harder. Correct. To progress. Correct. So, so the, the pseudoscience behind NLP, it's about 85% accurate because your programming could be different from others. But when you're building rapport, you're, you're reading- facial language, you're listening to tone, you can understand how your words land with other people's people. Right. So NLP is an effect because you actually listen to the words other people use and trying to decipher what it means, knowing what it means to you, but really getting understanding what it means to them. Right. You're building empathy. Um, yeah. You know, you're building the ability to have more empathy right. so that you can ultimately progress further in life or help the person who's uh, talking to you progress right. further in life as well and, and have some harmony about it. Dave, this has been absolutely awesome. Um, looking back to having you on the show in the future and diving in deeper, I would, I, I'm going to be excited about hosting that panel too in the near future. Um, cool. So we'll get that going. Now, I can see exactly why too you would gravitate towards helping construction companies and companies with an IT background, technology, SaaS, et cetera, um, any entrepreneur could benefit from the leadership experience and wisdom that you've gained over your career and of course over uh the time developing tap mental and understand why this um i guess even not even understand why you've gone more from it towards the human side but it, it doesn't really matter you have the skill sets of both that's a huge unfair advantage to the market so what's the best way for people to get a hold of you yeah so the website is tapmental.io down there in the corner um, mm -hmm. and on that is, is there's a book, a call. Um, I'm also on Twitter, tap metal. I think it's tap metal. I'm on okay. Instagram, David we'll Goodall. Yeah. There's a, there's a bunch. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and then just hit the website. There's a book, a call, and you'll, you'll get a 30 minute breakthrough, figure out where you are, um, what current problems are in front of you. And if, if there's an opportunity for us to potentially work together. Awesome. That makes perfect sense, Dave. Well, thank you so much for being here and Vision Pros. Uh, we're glad to have done this extra bonus episode for you guys this week. Uh, if you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can drop comments, of course, um, about, about questions that you may have. Um, and, uh, you know, if you also um, are big into the neuroscience space, we'd love to, to speak to you. I'm sure Dave would love to collaborate as well. Um, we're win, win, win people in this environment. So you guys have an excellent rest of your day. And uh, Dave, thanks for being our guest today. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention.